Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bolton E-Bikes podcast, a place where you can learn all about electric bikes. Now, normally I have a specific subject or topic or a guest, and sometimes I'll brainstorm topics ahead of time and feel like, okay, here's a common question I get. This is what we need to cover. Today is not one of those things, but it's an idea that popped into my head. And when I thought of it, I was like, yes, that is today's podcast episode. This is going to be amazing. So stay tuned. And if you have time or if you have the ability, take a pen or a notepad or something, your phone, and make a few notes. Maybe you can even do this exercise with me. If not, that's totally okay. Listen along. But today I'm going to talk about the future and building your dream bike, or in this case, building my dream bike without limits, without possibilities. I think this is going to be really, really interesting. So welcome back again. This is the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. Building your dream bike. What do I mean by that? I just love having new ideas, designing things, think of thinking of new things. And something that has been on my mind lately has been basically the thought of redesigning the electric bike from scratch. I feel like bicycles have evolved over the past 100 plus years and over the last 15, 20 years, and especially the last just maybe five years, e-bikes have been rapidly evolving, but they're still evolving from bicycles. And sometimes I think it's good to get back to the very basics and kind of start from scratch and see what things have been carried over that maybe shouldn't have. Or what are things that have been developed over so many years that, you know, redesigning that is going to be really difficult or basically it's been done so well that improving upon it is going to be very, very difficult. So I've been wanting to sit down just by myself and go through this process of writing down some things about my dream bike. If I could jump or leap ahead into the future, what would a Bolton e-bike look like? And I haven't done that yet. So instead, I'm going to do that right now with you listening on the podcast. So some of these ideas or things that are flowing might come as a surprise to me, (laughs) and hopefully many of them will come as a surprise to you. So I have basically six different things. This is what I have written down. I've written down six things really briefly to make sure I don't miss them and to talk about and think about how could we change or improve these aspects. And then we just see what happens from there. So number one is power. That's important, of course. Number two is range, equally as important. Number three, I put as a separate thing, even though it could kind of go somewhere else, but I think there's a lot of changes that could happen here. That's charging. Number four is features. What sort of things would be on the bike? How would things work? Number five is comfort or fit, I guess, of a bike should kind of go along with that. Uh, And number six, I wrote as a second thing as, or a separate thing as well, could also fit as features, but I want to talk about it a little bit more. And that is cargo. So power, range, charging, features, comfort, and cargo. I want to take those one at a time and talk about what could we possibly change if money was no object, if technological limitations didn't matter, what could we do? Because I feel like if we go through this exercise every once in a while, We think of something and we're like, well, that hasn't been done, but why not? Why don't we do it? 
And I think that's how sometimes some really big breakthroughs happen. So number one, let's talk about power. Of course, I think a bike should have plenty of power. But for this type of thing, I'm thinking, what if we had a street legal 750 watt bike? Maybe it has an off-road switch or something, so it has more power. But let's just stick to 750 watts and say it's legal everywhere. What could we do with the power to make the bike better than we, what we have today? We have mid-drive motors and we have hub motors. And if you're not familiar with those two or the differences, I did just release a new YouTube video this last week explaining the differences between those two, which one might be the best for you. But I've been thinking about this a lot lately and thinking about what would the next evolution of a motor be? And I started sketching out motors and how they work and what could we do to improve them. And a lot of this was because of that video I put out last week on the differences. I thought, is a mid-drive or a hub motor really the only option? Yeah, there's different kinds of mid-drives. There's different kinds of hub motors. There's direct drive. There's ones with regenerative braking. There's ones without it. There's mid-drives that have a belt. There's mid-drives that have a chain and a derailleur. There's mid-drives that are fixed to the rear wheel so they can do regen as well. There's so many different options. And I was thinking about the benefits of those types of motors. And that got me digging into specifications. And here's the real big thing I think could change with power. And there are already people out there working on this type of thing today because electric vehicles, electric aircraft, all of those things are being worked on. And a lot of that applies, of course, to electric bicycles. And for motors specifically, I think what we can improve is the torque and actually have real torque ratings, not ones that are just made up and put on a piece of paper, because I honestly believe that's how most of them are done. But increase the torque and increase the, the top speed in such a way that you could have a motor that's as simple as a hub motor that has the power band of a mid-drive or better. And what I mean by that is that with a mid-drive, you can shift into a low gear for lots of torque. You can shift into high gear for lots of top speed. A hub motor has basically a single speed, and it's just kind of optimized for a little bit of everything, but it's not the best at anything. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. Why don't we have a motor that is variable as far as the torque and the speed, and how could we do that? And I started researching it. I started, like I said, designing and kind of like just doing the initial discovery steps of if I was to redesign an e-bike motor from scratch, how would I do it? And I actually came across a company who is making a motor already. It's in development, so I shouldn't say they're making it already, but they have applications in mind. They have some products potentially that are going to come out in 2021 with this new style of motor that has two times, maybe even three times the amount of torque. It's lighter than other motors, and everything about it just made sense. One of the thoughts I had was about the poles in a motor and how they're magnetized. And basically, you can wire a motor for low speed or high speed or somewhere in between. And I was thinking, well, why don't we have a motor wired up in a way that it can be both, depending on how you electrically send signals to it so it can be wired for a whole wide range of speed or torque. And basically, there's a company that's already 
done the research and development, they're doing this, they mention e-bikes on their website as a possibility. Uh, so yes, I've already emailed them. We're already uh, trying to get that ball rolling, see if I can get in touch and see if we can't make something and test this out and make it happen. But I think we could have a 750-watt motor. So yeah, the power output is the same as what we use today, but the actual usable power is much, much greater. So it feels more like a 1,500-watt or 3,000-watt motor as far as how the motor can put the power out, but it's actually smaller and lighter than the motors that exist today. I was looking at electric aircraft because weight is extremely important. And based on the numbers that electric aircraft can put out as far as their motor wattage, they're often putting out, I think it was 1,000 watts per kilogram. Now, to put that into perspective, a typical e-bike motor might weigh somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 pounds. But if we had 1,000 watts for a kilogram, that's only 2.2 pounds. That means we could potentially shed more than 10 pounds from a bicycle just by changing the style of the motor. And that, to me, is the future. <laughs> like, If we can take 10 pounds out of the motor and get the same or better performance, why not do it? And the same thing kind of goes along with power as range is this next point, and that's efficiency. The Bafang motors on paper, I looked at their specs, they both said that they were greater than 80%. But I know there's motors on the market for other applications that are 90%, 95%. I've even seen some very specific applications at 98% efficient. And if you're designing a motor that is good for a wide range of power, maybe you can't get all of those things. But imagine increasing your range by 10% without touching your battery. That's right. You increase your range 10% by changing the motor and not the battery. So I'd love to see power applied in a more efficient, lighter way. And I think that's coming. I think it might take a few years before we see these things in mainstream production or e-bikes. I'll do everything I can to push that ahead further, but I think it's going to happen. And this is about building a dream bike. How would I build a brand new bike from scratch? And I think we would start with a whole new, completely brand new motor design. We wouldn't use anything that's on the shelf today because I don't think they're completely optimized for e-bikes the way that they could be with the technology that we have. And if we make them more efficient, 90%, even 95%, if we shoot for those kinds of numbers, and we can increase our range, uh, imagine that you just cut out 10 pounds of dead motor weight, and you just increased your range, say 10%, by making the motor more efficient, you could add 10 pounds of batteries <laughs> that sounds ridiculous, but let's say you have a, a 48 volt, 15 amp hour battery, and it's on a 60 pound bike, because that's, that's something that's possible today. You could have a 60 pound bike with a battery that size with a 750 watt motor. It all makes sense. But let's say you cut enough weight out of the motor that you could add a second battery. So the bike still weighs 60 pounds. So instead of a 30 to 40 mile maximum range, you've got a 60 to 80 mile range. But wait, we just increased our efficiency by 10%. So that adds, you know, maybe another 8, 10 miles on top of that. Now you're getting up to 60, 70, 80, 90 mile range on an e-bike that only weighs 60 pounds. That's not that unrealistic to think that that's possible. And of course, batteries are getting lighter. Now, range on a dream bike, 
would it be 80, 90 miles? For me, no. It actually would be more than that. You can never have too much range. I think the ideal amount of range for an e-bike, and this is the dream bike, all right, we're, we're stretching out into the future a little bit here, is a bike where you could ride it as hard as you want all day long. In other words, you could go out and go mountain biking for 10 hours and still not kill the battery. So ride as hard as you want, as long as you want, and you can't kill the battery in a single day. It's possible to do that today, but the bike would be extremely heavy. So that's what I would love to see e-bikes get to in the next several years at some point is between the motor and the weight and the efficiency, we get things up to where the range anxiety no longer exists. You literally could ride all day long. And as long as you can make it back home or to a charging station at some point, you, you just don't have to worry about it. That's my dream bike. I think that would be awesome. Now, what if you're going to go further than that? Number three was charging. I have some plans for some devices. These are things that I'm going into more detail on in the Bolton Labs YouTube channels, or the Bolton Labs YouTube channel videos, I should say. And basically, charging is something I've thought about a lot because I think there's a lot of improvements to be made there. If cars can charge up to 80% in an hour, or with new technology in the next few years, people are quoting things like 10, 15 minutes for an 80% charge. Why are e-bike batteries still taking five, six hours to charge? It doesn't quite make sense. The cells or some of the cells are physically capable. Now, if you charge faster, of course, there's always a trade-off. And, and right now today, that trade-off is, yes, the overall lifespan of the battery won't be as good. So there has to be a balance there right now. There's, there's some complexity. But if I think about the dream bike, <laughs> right, then I should be able to ride my bike up to any charging station because there's vehicle charging stations all over the place now. Plug it in, and in 10 minutes, I want a full charge. Which means if I can ride all day and charge in a few minutes, if I wanted to do a cross-country, cross-the-United-States-type trip on an electric bike, I could do it because I could hop on the bicycle and ride from one charging station to the next, 100 or 200 miles in between, and not have to worry about running out of battery. And at the end of the day, the bike would still feel kind of like a bicycle. It's not a motorcycle. I'm still getting exercise. It's not this big, heavy thing. And definitely something like that doesn't exist yet, but I think it will happen. Now, if we go past the charging and we start talking about more of the functions or features of the bike, there are definitely other things that I think could be improved. One is the throttle response. The throttles on e-bikes are great. It gives you a chance to use some power on occasion when you either are too tired to pedal, you don't want to pedal. It doesn't really matter what the reason is, honestly, but it gives you an option to still use the motor that's there without having to move your legs. Now, on an e-bike, that's part of the fun, is that you can get some exercise and move your legs like a regular bike, of course. But the throttles are kind of like an afterthought in a way. They're great, but they're not. And what I mean by that is that it's great that they're there, but how they function is not great. They don't have a very linear response. Some people complain about that, and it's just the nature of 
e-bike throttles and hall sensors and how they're designed, most of them are just not as precise as the gas pedal in your car or the throttle on a motorcycle, but they could be. And so if I was building a dream bike, I would probably completely redesign how the throttle works so it's much smoother and more granular and just feels really nice. So to me, that is a small feature that we would change. And same goes for the pedal assist. There's some good stuff out there now, but we'd just make sure it's as smooth and seamless as possible. Now, other features on the bike, I think it would be awesome if it did have an app. What I don't want is that the app does basic things. And I've seen more and more e-bikes on Kickstarter, Indiegogo, that have like this app you use with your phone and it like turns the bike on. But why? (laughs) If it's security and you want the bike to be off, then great. But I don't think your phone should be required to turn on your bike. Like that doesn't actually make riding your bike easier. Every function should be to simplify the operation of the bike to make it easier to use, not harder. And so I've never been a huge fan of apps that do some of the basic functions of an e-bike when just pressing a button on the bike is easier, it's faster, and it's more convenient. It's almost like we're, we're using technology to take a step backward, and I don't think we should be doing that. So what would the app be for? I think an app would be great for charging. In other words, you pull out your phone. Let's say your bike is in the garage. It's doing a slow charge. You could see if it's at 70%, 80%. Oh, you want to change how much it's charging? Change it to a 90% charge. Or you're going to go for a long ride and you want to do 100% charge. You can just punch that in on your phone and the bike charges up to the level you want and it notifies you when it's done. So you can go for a ride. That is convenient. That makes things easier and better. And it makes the battery last longer. Something like that to me makes sense. And another idea I had, years ago, and I I almost went through the process of trying to develop an app. If you're an app developer, feel free to reach out to me because I still think this would be cool, but I'm not an app developer. And I know that it's not worth my time to try and learn how to make an app because someone out there, even after I've learned how to do it, still is going to do a better job at it than I am. So I love learning new things and I would love to just do that. But at the end of the day, I should just find the best person at it. Anyway, the point is the app I think would be really cool if bikes can now use car charging stations. Well, this app should have charging stations on it while I'm riding my bike. If I, let's say the battery is getting low, I want to know where I can charge it up. What's an e-bike friendly restaurant I can go to that has a charging station close by? Or maybe that has a secure place to park my e-bike instead of just locking it outside. Wouldn't it be awesome if an app could pop up on your screen, on your handlebars, and show you, hey, here's a place you can go. They've got an indoor parking area for e-bikes, and they've got a charging station there, and it's 10 miles away. According to your bike, you've got 15 miles of range. You'll make it there no problem. It's awesome. It's convenient. It would just be a cool feature to have. Those are the types of things that I think makes sense. So that's another feature. The bike, my dream bike could be smart, but I don't want any of those smart features to be required for me to just get on the bike, ride it, and have fun. And to me, that's the difference. If they can do something to make it more convenient, great, I'm all for it. But if they're not practical, 
It doesn't need it. Other cool features, I guess this is kind of a feature and it's kind of just awesome looks, but to me, it's functional. I think my future dream bike would have a single-sided fork, like the lefty brand of forks that are out there that are really popular on the Cannondale bikes. I'm pretty sure they were the first ones to come out with it. Um, I remember seeing those for the first time. The Cannondale Jekyll was the brand of mountain bike, or the model specifically. And and seeing that single-sided fork was just like, whoa, how did they do that? Is that strong enough? Does it make sense? And yeah, it, it does. And I would do a single-sided fork on the front, and I would do some sort of single-sided frame or swing arm on the back too. And you might be wondering, why? What's the purpose? And, and I'll tell you what it is. It is for maintenance on your tires, your tubes, your rim, your derailleur if there is one, whatever there is to do with your wheels and your brakes. If you don't have a fork with two sides, it's just one side, let's say you get a flat tire. What do you normally have to do? You got to pull the wheel off the bike, right? But if it's single-sided, you have access to the entire tire from one side. You can repair a flat, you can change a tire without removing your wheel from the bike at all. It's really convenient for those types of things. I think if it's engineered well and it's designed right, that makes sense. So it's not just that it looks cool, it's extremely functional. So my dream bike would have single-sided swing arm on the rear, single-sided fork on the front, and it would just be awesome. Along with these features and functions, e-bikes should be easy to work on. They are sort of easy to work on, but I think they could be so much easier. And part of me is hesitant to mention this. Somebody's going to steal the idea. Part of me is like, if you can implement this, then do it and go for it because this would be awesome for anybody to do. So it's okay if I throw these ideas out there. I certainly want to do it. And that is making the components modular. In other words, right now, think about your e-bike if you have one already and think about where is the motor controller located. Some of you are thinking, I don't even know where it is. If you do know where it is, how difficult is it to unplug something? How difficult is it to pull the entire motor controller out and replace it with a new one? Same goes for the pedal assist or the motor or some of the battery components. I think it would be awesome if the electrical components were modular in a way that if I needed to replace a motor controller, I essentially had a quick release lever of some sort. I pop the controller out and in five seconds I can pop in another one. Now, if you think about it, this doesn't seem so far-fetched because batteries on most e-bikes are designed to be removed and replaced in 10 or 15 seconds or so. You can replace a battery on most e-bikes. It's pretty easy to do. So why wouldn't we do the same thing with other components on the bike? No, you don't usually need to change them as often, maybe even never. But what if there's a, a new version, there's an upgraded version of a motor controller? What if you just need to do some, some troubleshooting? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could replace all of the pieces on your bike in seconds or minutes instead of hours? And I think if designed properly, this would be great for the manufacturers because it would make the assembly faster, which in turn 
would cut the price down. So there are some benefits aside from the user perspective, but I just think having a, a somewhat modular bike where you can just pop components out, oh, my pedal assist isn't working or a new version came out, five seconds it's out of there and a new one is in and I'm on my way. I think that would be super, super cool. So that's the, the features. Just a few of them I think that would be awesome. Number five is comfort. Comfort and fit. I have a couple of ideas about this. Obviously, the bike should just be comfortable, but comfort is very, very subjective. Somebody might want a big seat, a small seat. Their handlebars might want to be up, down. So I think a dream bike should be completely adjustable, both for comfort and for size. There are some bikes I've seen out there that have some adjustment, but this kind of goes along with the, the modular feel of the bike where components can just pop in and out. I think the size of the bike could change just in a matter of seconds or minutes to a smaller or bigger size. So me at five foot 10 could hop on the bike and ride it and have fun with it. And then someone else could hop on at this five foot and within a minute they could have the bike changed to fit them. That would be really, really cool. From a manufacturing perspective, why would this make sense? It sounds more complicated. And it is to design in the first place. But in the long run, let's say I have a bike that fits somebody from five foot tall up to six foot six. That means I only have to sell one size of bike for all of those people. It makes things simpler. So instead of three different sizes of bicycles, I now condense down to one. We're reducing the number of parts needed. We're increasing efficiency. And at the end of the day, maybe we're decreasing costs yet again. I think that would just be really cool. And if you can make the bike fit anybody, be comfortable for anyone, that would be awesome. There's a company out there making or starting to make electric motorcycles called Damon. And they have this unique feature. It's just kind of a, a small thing, but it's brand new to motorcycles. I don't think anyone's ever done it, where they have what looks like an electric sport bike and the pegs, which is where your feet rest, kind of like your pedals, and the handlebars, those two things, along with the saddle position where you're seated, your hands, your seat, your feet, those three things determine really, at the end of the day, how comfortable your bike is. If you move any one of those, it changes how upright you're sitting, it changes how much pressure is resting on your wrists, how much pressure is resting on your feet. And what they've done is made it so the bike can be a sport bike, which are not known for their comfort, or it can be more of a touring bike at the push of a button. The handlebars move, the pegs move to a more comfortable position or a more aggressive riding position with a button push. And I'm not saying it'd be a button push on my dream bike. I don't think you need that. You don't need to go from upright to trail riding, you know, in a second, although that'd be kind of cool. And in a way, some of that technology almost exists with a seat dropper post. Like that's what it's for. It's, it's so when you're going down a, a steep descent or some technical terrain, you can lower the seat and you can move around more and be more agile. Uh, in the case of the Blackbird, we're using it so it's easy to get on the bike. You push a button, then it's more comfortable to ride. So maybe there would be a couple other functions like that where the handlebars might move up or down or the seat moves forward or backwards or who knows what. But I think on a dream bike, that's another thing that we would have. The bike could be comfortable and could fit anyone 
maybe at the push of a button. Maybe not that easy, but something close to it. I think that would be really, really cool. Number six, this is the last thing I've got written down on this list. There's so many more things I could talk about with e-bikes and what I would like to see, but I wanted to cover these basics for building your dream bike. And, and I'm curious if you've been thinking about these things while I have, what sort of things have you thought about? What things do you want? And I always love hearing your feedback of what those are, because as a small company making e-bike parts and components and developing things, and, and yeah, most of our e-bikes are built and assembled overseas in China, but I'm always working on what can we do next? What can we implement next? How do we make it better? I hope that you're seeing the, the value and and you're having these thoughts too of, yeah, there are things that could be a little bit better and I, and I would love to see that. I'm just always excited for what's coming next. But again, if you don't have an e-bike, don't wait for all these things. These could be <laughs> who knows how many years out. We may never see them. I hope we see all of them though. But number six is cargo. Everybody loves racks on the back of the bike. Everybody loves a front rack or a basket somewhere to put your stuff. That's like the number one accessory that people put on their bike if it doesn't come with one already is some sort of rack to put things on because you need to maybe carry a patch kit or some minor tools. You might have to, maybe you want to go grocery shopping and you want to put some stuff in there. There was a road bike released a few years back and I believe it was Diamondback. Now I'm being caught off guard thinking about it right now. I may have to go check that, but look it up. I think it's Diamondback, and I think it was a surprise coming from them, and I, I wish I could tell you 100% for sure that's who it was because I've seen the bike in person, and I feel bad for not saying 100% that's who it was, uh, and the bike in person looked awesome. It was a road bike, super aerodynamic, but not only was it aerodynamic and, and just awesome looking, because instead of the standard like diamond shape traditional bicycle frame. It was completely like enclosed and solid. The rider still sat on it like a normal bicycle. It had a regular saddle and bars, but the entire frame was enclosed in a way to make it more aerodynamic, obviously an advantage for a road bike, but it was functional because all of that body work, if you will, which a bicycle normally doesn't have, was functional. There were little pop-outs for storage containers, and it was just really, really cool. And I think instead of having a rack on the back of a bike or on the front of a bike or this basket, or if you just imagine a bicycle, like there's these things that are bolted to it, right? Wouldn't it be better if that storage capacity was just built into the bike in the first place, that it was just part of the design? I think that makes more sense. Then you can toss things in and and store it. It's out of the weather. It's out of the sun. It's out of sight. And I think it would be just awesome to have completely integrated storage. I got to give some credit to Rad Power Bikes on their Rad Runner because they have like a little storage container that mounts in the middle. On the other hand, a lot of people are like, oh, what do you keep in that little trash can? Because <laughs> it kind of it does look like a little black trash can that's mounted on the middle of the bike between your legs. So aesthetically, it's not the most pleasing thing, but functionally, it's great. So it's a step in the right direction, but we need to take it a step further and say, how do we integrate that into the bike? And to go along with that, this is not cargo per se, but it's something that's carried, 
I think security-wise, it'd be nice if if a lock or locking system or something like that was integrated into part of that. So I think security is kind of one of those features that has some room for improvement as well. But there you have it. That's a, a rough overview of what my dream bike would be. And some of this is theoretical. Some of this isn't. There are some of these things that we are actively working on, trying to make them real. And I can't spoil what those things are, but I will soonest to those people that are members of that Bolton Labs YouTube membership, because that's what that was intended for. That's what that's designed for. In fact, right now, as I'm recording this podcast, I'm going to jump off here and go record another video for everybody that's there. So thank you to everyone that has joined that membership. It's not required by any means to buy from Bolton e-bikes and be a welcome customer. However, if you want to know more about these crazy new ideas and things that we're trying, that's where I am going to tease a little bit more of that or show more of what's in progress. So thank you again. I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope you thought of some ideas that would make your dream electric bike, because if we think about these things and we just apply what we know, sometimes we surprise ourselves and we actually think of things that we can do today. And thanks for being a part of Bolton eBikes, whether you're listening to the podcast, watching the videos on YouTube, or you're a customer, or you're just trying to learn. I don't care what it is. Anything about eBikes is great. And I hope that I can talk to you again next Tuesday. Thank you.